superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Football Podcast. Tara Roberts here alongside Pat Fitzmorris and Billy Muzio. And today is our ranking show. We'll be going through the Fantasy Pros rankings tiers for week 11. Pat and Billy will be providing their thoughts on each player in the tiers and there's no better pair to provide analysis on rankings. I say it every single week, but I keep saying it because it's true because Billy was the number four overall most accurate in season fantasy football ranker in 2022. And he's done consistently well in our accuracy competition. Fitz was the most accurate in season weekly ranker in 2020 and has been consistently among the, the best and most accurate fantasy rankers in fantasy football you can find Billy at FF Museo. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Terra Time. So let's go ahead and dive right in because as you guys have seen with all of the news, there are a lot of changes going on here with running backs. So we're going to go through it. We're going to cover it. We got you covered on this. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications, of course. Now, we'll start over here with our uh, with our top 24 running backs. It covers our A plus through B players here. Running backs. Uh, Pat, I'll start off with you. Is there anyone that really stands out here for you in the top 24? Welcome back, Devon Achan. Checking in at RB7 in the ECR and um, with good reason. I think they're going to give him an ample dose of work right away in a good matchup against the Raiders. Um, Yeah, Raheem Mostert is still going to be involved, but Raheem Mostert has been putting the ball on the ground quite a bit lately. So I think the Dolphins will be enthusiastic about maybe getting to reduce his role a little bit um, as fumble prone as he has been lately. So um, great to have HN back. I agree with the top 10 ranking, and I'm hoping he can uh, get me into the playoffs in the Scott Fishbowl where I'm just barely on the outside looking in Going into the final week and very happy to have A-Chan back in the lineup. I think he's got you covered. I predict that he will go off and he will get in. Billy, what stands out for you here? Man, Pat stole mine. This is one of our impromptu segments where we don't communicate who we're choosing. <laughs> I was so excited to talk about Devon A-Chan, but I'm going to I'm going to just you know go ahead and I'm going to just pretend like I wasn't going to talk about him because my backup plan was to talk about Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, both backs finishing inside the top five last week at the running back position and both land in RB1 territory this week. I just think that this offensive line is that good. The offense is kind of funneled through these two backs and Amon Ross St. Brown, as well as a tight end. Pretty clear target and rushing share tree. Excited to see both these guys inside the top 12. Insane. The Detroit offense is absolutely humming. That game against the LA Chargers was fantastic. So enjoyable to watch. I'm so excited to see how this backfield shakes out moving forward. I agree with it. These these guys, they're both RB1s moving forward. Crazy. Again, everyone, for in-depth analysis on these players, go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. Our consensus rankings can be found there, and you can also see updated rankings using our My Playbook app. Before I move on to the next tiers, I want to stop here and talk about Jerome Ford here a second. I think this would be a good one for us to kind of pull out here and talk about 
in the in the top 24 as well. He is checking in in ECR at RB23. And you guys are a little above ECR on this. Pat, you've got him at RB19. Billy, you've got him at RB20. Uh, Billy, I'll start off with you. Um, Jerome Ford, it's kind of interesting. It's a, He's getting the bulk of the workload there. We do still have Kareem Hunt involved and in getting goal line touches, but he's been productive. Um, how are you looking at this backfield? So I, I think... Even Pat and I are higher than ECR. I think with today's news, with with Watson being uh, now ruled out for the season, that we could see a heavier dosage of the the running backs uh, in in the coming weeks as as they kind of lean on rookie Dorian Thompson. So um, very productive last week. The thing about Jerome Ford is he's either extremely productive or extremely inefficient. There's really no in between. Um, you know, he's six point three yards per attempt last week, but the week nine two point two, and then we have another six point seven in week seven, but we have two underneath three in weeks four and in week three at 2.9 and 1.8. Um, so it's kind of this Jackal and Hyde situation with Jerome Ford. Uh, on the flip side, though, his usage inside of the receiving game has also kind of propped up his fantasy uh, production and and it's kind of saved him in PPR leagues and, and even in, in half PPR when he does see seven targets um, like he did in week nine. Um, so now we have a rookie quarterback being inserted as the starter as of today. Um, we've said it once, we'll say it again, that every time that we have a rookie quarterback or maybe a quarterback who's just inexperienced, um, they typically lean on the running back for that outlet in the flats or they typically lean at the tight end or the slot receiver. So I think that the rookie quarterback is going to be a good thing for Jerome Ford, at least in the passing game. Uh, and we'll see how they are able to move the ball down the field because I don't know if we're going to see many more 6.0 yards per attempt. We're probably going to be closer to that two to three range um, if they start loading up the box. But um, if he sees the 20 and 17 attempts like he has the last couple of weeks, then we're looking at a solid RB2, high end RB2 moving forward if we can continue to see the, the five to seven target range. So I like Jerome Ford, like to like the matchups moving forward. And I think that uh, he's solid, solid RB2 moving forward. Yeah, that's a good thing, uh, bringing up the Ricky quarterback situation. DTR last time, the results weren't pretty, but to be fair, he was thrown in last minute, very little preparation. So he's going to have multiple days, a decent amount of time here to practice with the first team and get really prepared for this game. So maybe we'll have a different outcome this time. Pat, how about you? RB19, how are you feeling about Jerome Ford? Yeah, and uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, very mobile, and sometimes we see the mobile quarterbacks spike the rushing efficiency of running backs. Um, so, yeah, this is interesting because you've got the quarterback change, and uh, we have to call it a downgrade, I think. And we've also got the Browns dealing with some injury problems at offensive tackle. Uh, they were without Jedrick Wills and Dewan Jones last week and, and might be again this week, but Despite that, and despite the Vegas total in the uh, Brown, Browns game dropping to 34 and a half shortly after the Watson news came out, um, on the other hand, as Billy said, I, I think this maybe means the Browns are incentivized to sort of run things through their running backs. Uh, they're not going to let DTR, you know, go full scale aerial assault with 40 pass attempts in this game. So, um, Ultimately, I decided to leave Jerome Ford's ranking where I had it originally at RB19. Same with Kareem Hunt. And, um, you know, Ford has logged a 64% snap share each of the last two weeks. That is a big number for a running back. And he's had 25 and 18 touches in his last two games. So the workload is there. I know that the touchdown outlook has probably dimmed a little bit with the quarterback change, but... Uh, you know, easy to see him getting another 18 plus touches this week. Moving on to our C plus tier, we'll get started off with that one. We've got James Cook, Ty Chandler, 
Najee Harris, and Jalen Warren. We're going to pause here because there's a, there's a lot to discuss in this tier. Um, we're not going to talk about James Cook, although it's, you know, we've got changes in offensive coordinator over there, so that situation could get interesting. But we got to talk about Ty Chandler and Najee Harris in this tier. What a tier with all of the potential changes, potential and very much so real changes going on, starting off with the potential changes for Ty Chandler. Um, ECR has him at RB26. Pat, you've got him at RB26. And Billy, you've got him at RB32. We've got Alexander Madison dealing with a concussion. You know, we don't know 100% what's going to happen there yet. So obviously, rankings are going to be fluid as we move forward and find out more information. But we did see Ty Chandler involved throughout the entire game. So he's got some level of role within this offense, regardless of what happens to Alexander Madison. Pat, I'll start off with you right on there, right on par with ECR there with Ty Chandler. How are you approaching this backfield with him if he is the if he is the RB1 for the Vikings moving forward? What's your level of trust in this game with him? Yeah, and I think we probably should um at least tentatively expect him to be the lead RB in this game because uh I was checking with Dr. Edwin Porras, a friend of mine, um before the show on whether the likelihood of Madison coming back this week and over the last three years, uh, running backs who sustain a concussion one week have about a one in three chance of being back the next week. So most likely we won't see Alexander Madison this week. And, uh, you know, the the ranking here, RB26, based on the premise that Chandler's the lead back. So probably too small to get 20 plus touches, um, but Chandler does have home run speed and he's going to be facing a Denver run defense that struggled for most of the year, has struggled for most of the year, and had a really hard time on Monday night with James Cook of the Bills, another speed back who had 12 carries for 109 yards. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the outlook for Chandler here with the usage enhancements and the matchup. Billy, how about you? We've got Tyler Chandler, Chai Chandler here at RB32 for you. Is that the right spot for him? Are you going to be adjusting him at all, depending on how this backfield shakes out? No, this is a, a hedge with, until we had more news on on uh, Madison. Uh, I do think now that I'm, it's going to be rising news today was that, you know, Gaskins, of course, was signed uh, this week with the concussion to Madison. So anytime we see a team make a move for a running back, never a good sign for someone who is on the starting roster. So I, I would expect um, Madison now to sit. So adjusting for that, more than likely, I'm going to be uh, well above this spot, probably in that, you know, RB 22, 23 range, quite frankly, um, maybe even higher, uh, depending upon the rest of the news that we get throughout the week. If Gaskin's going to be ready for, uh, you know, do mixed in if they elevate them, you know, there's a lot of variables here with this, with these rankings, um, but good matchup, Pat hit, hit to the speed. He's got home run speed, 4.38 speed. Um, this kid can fly. And, and so I, I do think that he's going to be moving up the rankings here, here in the next coming days. Yeah. Interesting situation there. The offense for Minnesota is on fire, very little drop off and obviously some changes in it, but little drop off in terms of, um, their overall performance now from Kirk cousins heading over to Joshua Dobbs. So it's going to be fun to see Ty Chandler finally get that opportunity. Cause I feel like a lot of us have been waiting to see, what he actually looks like as a potential lead back. And so maybe this is the week that we finally get it. We're also going to talk about Najee Harris here in this tier. Now, this is a big one that we got to talk about here. We got the news that Jalen Warren 
is going to be getting the start over Najee Harris. And that's that's interesting news, but I don't know if we have a lot of details right now in terms of what that actually means for the split, what kind of workload we would still see from Najee Harris. It's tough to imagine that Najee would be completely phased out. He's had two strong fantasy performances two weeks in a row. We were starting to feel comfortable with him, and now we get hit with this news. We've got ECR having him at RB27. Pat, you're a little bit more skeptical. You've got him at RB31. And Billy, you're a little bit more positive. He's at RB23 um, for you. So, Pat, we'll start off with you. Uh, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren in this backfield here. Are you, are you, when you're looking at your fantasy lineup, if you had Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, are you comfortable starting both of them as a flex option, maybe? I don't want to start both of them, even though the Steelers running game, which had been so non-functional, dysfunctional early in the season, has actually been firing on all cylinders lately and and performing pretty well. So um, I I do think you get sort of a limited ceiling if you decide to start both in your lineup. So I kind of want to make an either or choice here, but I don't know. I guess we we have to go with Jalen Warren in an either or choice. I mean... You sort of referenced it, Tara, like maybe this is just sort of an honorary thing. And, you know, like we're not going to see Najee Harris disappear from this backfield. Um, But this does cause me to have a little more separation in my rankings between Warren and Harris. Uh, Last week, I I had Warren one spot of Harris and ahead of Harris. And I think I've been ranking them basically as as Siamese twins in my rankings, like for the last month or so, where they're always like adjacent to each other. Um, this week, I've worn at RB25 and Harris at RB31. So not a lot of separation, but I do think the demotion makes Najee a slightly less appealing fantasy option. I'm curious where Jalen Warren is also there for you. Are you still feeling like Najee is going to get be the better fantasy asset or get more of the workload? How are you, how are you approaching this backfield? I have him back-to-back right now. Um, I, I'm looking at this as an attaboy. I can see where Jalen Warren gets the starting rep and then um, it's you know split series by series and where it's per se the starter, but I don't think it's necessarily going to eat into each other's workload on a drive-by-drive basis. Now, I could see where Jalen Warren is maybe getting another series to himself here and there, um, and now this the snap share is a little bit more even and maybe slightly to Jalen Warren's favor. But I still think that Najee Harris is the goal line back. I still think he's going to be heavily involved. Um, I just think that they have pretty clear defined roles. Don't get me wrong. I think that Jalen Warren has looked better as a, as, a, as a rusher and a receiver. But I don't think that Najee is just going to disappear. And they always say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This team is 5-3, and three, um, surprisingly, right? And, and I think that uh, – sorry, 6-3, and three, right? I, I messed up. 6-3. and three. And so – why change everything when you are a playoff team right now? And I don't think that that Tomlin's going to do that. So I think we're going to continue to see a heavy dosage of both backs. Um, and because Cleveland can be ran on, they're not the, the, you know, it's a very stout defense, but they can be ran on. Um, and so I think that we're going to see both backs here. That's a good point here. We, we are, they are a playoff contending team. Uh, some people might look at it and, you know, see Kenny Pickett at quarterback and the defense kind of being a little up and down, but they have been, Putting up the wins, they're getting those performances, getting strong victories, and they are right there in the mix. They're in the hunt. Strong record. So we could see this team continue to, you know, give Najee Harris meaningful work. So we're not bailing out completely on him. I'm kind of with you there in that I think we'll still have very similar production out of both backs. 
Moving on to the C tier, we've got Daryl Henderson, Keaton Mitchell, Kareem Hunt, Chuba Hubbard, Donta Foreman in an interesting situation with Khalil Herbert here, who is also in this tier. We've got Antonio Gibson and Zach Charbonnet. Now, this is a very interesting tier of players who are essentially in. This is our, our committee tier, really. Um, our committee tier where we're looking at these guys who do have potential upside. But there are some factors here that could hold them back. And I think Keaton Mitchell is one of those guys here where the upside is huge. We have seen it. We've got a Spotify poll that actually went out recently. Keaton Mitchell has been the RB5 over the past two weeks. And the question was, where do you think he falls into um, rankings for the rest of the season? Between RB1 and 12, 13 and 24, 25, 36, and so on. And the majority of voters saw him as pretty evenly falling between RB13, RB24, and then RB25 and 36. Literally 41% split for both of them. So we're feeling positively, but people aren't feeling completely all in. You guys, the rankings are very interesting here. ECR has him at RB31. Pat, you've got him at RB34. Billy, you've got him all the way back at RB42. I will start off with you for that reason, Billy. RB42 on Keaton Mitchell. It's a weird situation where he has been highly productive, but with very, very limited volume. It is a big play, boom kind of situation with him. How are you approaching Keaton Mitchell? What's your level of trust with him? This is a, oops, I messed up in the rankings segment because I look <laughs> at it and I, and I, when I do my first run, I go through and do it off expected, which is the expected for me is a three game sample size. And so I go through and match those three game sample sizes. And then I adjust based upon injury news. I adjust based upon um, any, you know, coach nuances that we're getting. And now they're saying, speaking of the coach nuances that we are going to see a heavier dosage of Keaton Mitchell. I Everyone knows me. I have been talking up Keaton Mitchell since May. That's how much I love this kid. And I said, when I was watching tape that I was watching, I went from A-Chain to Keaton Mitchell, and I said, Keaton Mitchell actually looks faster than A-Chain on tape. And just when you look at it from those Twitch movements, um, I was on Sirius XM Radio, we're talking up uh, I was talking up Keaton Mitchell with Bob Harris and he had me on because it hit. And he, he said, man, I added him everywhere based upon your, our discussions. So seeing my ranking here this low, it's a little bit, you know, sad <laughs> because I've loved this kid. And so if I knew today though, that he was going to see 40% of the workload or even 38%, 35%, we're probably talking about RB 22, RB 23, but Last week, you know, we saw him start to get more. He saw 22% up from 17%. Gus Edwards saw a season low um, in week nine at 19%, but back to 50 54% in week 10. Justice Hill has kind of been the odd man out, 64% week nine, 26% last week. So I, as much as I like this kid, I don't think we can throw him up to RB. 23, 24, just based upon the usage and the inconsistency that we're seeing from the team. Um, if we knew for a fact, then great, we could move them up. But I think when everything's said and done, when I go back and, and adjust this ranking, because it is going to be adjusted, this is just uh, a, an error on my part based upon the algorithm. Um, and I think that more than likely he'll be in this like RB28 through RB32 range. Um, and then if we can know for certain that he's going to see a majority of snaps, then 
great. He's probably a back-end RB2, but um, rest of the season, until we know how this backfield is going to shake up on a week-to-week basis from a snap count, uh, I don't think we can get much higher than that. Now, I think he could very well outproduce all of these rankings and potentially finish inside the top 15 or even 12 um, because he's got home run speed. We talked about it last week, that CJ2K speed. uh, It's a real deal, and you can't keep it off the field when when he takes to the house like that. All right, Pat, what about you? RB34. So you're a little bit further back as well. You're not wholly in on Keaton Mitchell. We talked about, you know, Billy mentioned the potential of him getting more carries and that confirmation that we need in terms of what level of workload. We know there's going to be more, but we knew there was going to be more theoretically last week with him being worked into the committee. And it still wasn't a ton. Granted, he was coming off of an injury, but I feel like at least we can maybe look towards him um, moving up ahead of Justice Hill, but it's kind of tough to see the elimination of Gus Edwards, knowing that the effectiveness that he's had at the goal line. And so we've got a little little nugget there um, in terms of the section that he's not going to be able to touch. Is that what kind of makes you a little bit weary around Keaton Mitchell? Yeah, you're just totally spot on with that assessment, Tara. And it's encouraging that we got the soundbite of John Harbaugh expressing regret that Keaton Mitchell didn't get more than 13 snaps and four touches last week. Um, And by the way, not only did Keaton Mitchell have that 32-yard touchdown run, he nearly caught a touchdown pass that would have been a pretty of a pretty decent length on a ball that, I don't know, maybe slightly underthrown, uh, could have been caught, but... Almost a two-touchdown week for Keaton Mitchell uh, with five touches. That would have been his fifth touch had he been able to haul that one in. So I like him, and I like that there's a chance we get double-digit touches for him this week against the Bengals. Not a bad matchup, by the way, but we know Gus is going to remain involved. The variable we don't know about is whether Justice Hill stays involved or whether Keaton Mitchell is just totally kicking him to the curb. Um, two weeks ago, we saw Justice Hill get like more than double the snaps of either Keaton Mitchell or Gus Edwards, but that was also in the blowout of the Seattle Seahawks where the Ravens just crushed Seattle. And I don't think we could read too much into that because um, that game was totally out of hand in the second half. And I think that's when Hill got a lot of his snaps. So yeah, I mean, like Gus, Gus is still going to be involved. Lamar Jackson is still going to do a lot of running himself. So it seems pretty unlikely that Mitchell would get more than about a dozen touches. But with this dude's speed, uh, give him 10 or 12 touches and you could be in for a big, big day. Hey, I like that. That's the range right there. Just like 10. If you can get me 10, a little bit more, that 10 to 15 range, I'm feeling good about him and feel like I can trust him. We just got to get to that range. Before we move on to the next tier, we're going to stay here in the C tier. We're going to talk about Khalil Herbert, who is falling slightly further back in the, just a tiny bit further back in ECR um, behind Donta Foreman. Now, this is one where I'm going to listen to the sage advice of you guys, because I'd be, I'll be honest, I've struggled with this one here with Khalil Herbert between him and John Foreman in terms of trying to figure out what we can expect. We've also got Justin Fields that is more than likely um, the plans are for him to start and return this week. So this offense is going to look a lot different than we've seen it in the past several weeks. ECR has him at RB 13. Pat, you've got him at RB 38. Billy, you've got him at RB39. I lean towards the direction of you guys of being just a little bit more skeptical of what type of workload he's coming back to. Um, Billy, I'll start off with you. RB39, how are you feeling about Keaton Mitchell this week? Khalil Herbert. Um, we, or yes, Khalil Herbert. 
I think Pat and I in lockstep on this is a good sign. That's that means that we're trending in the right direction here. Um, I just I'm not certain that Dante Form is just going to disappear. I mean, he's been productive. I mean, last week we saw. a touchdown. We saw him with 80 yards, 21 carries, but he's averaged 4.3 yards per carry from week six to week 10, 367 yards and three scores in that timeline. He's actually been more involved in the passing game than any point in his career. Um, seeing six point yard, 6.1 yards per reception and another touchdown in the air. So yes, clue Herbert's back. Yes, he was the lead back, but uh, Foreman has seen 20 touches or more twice. And even when Khalil Herbert was the lead back in the first five weeks, not once did he see 20, 20 carries. And so uh, as much as I like Khalil Herbert, and I think that he's probably the better back, I'm just not certain that they're going to lean that way, given Dante Foreman's uh, usage as of late and, and how he's been producing. Um, when we look at the beginning of the season, when all three of these backs were on the field and active, um, Foreman was was actually healthy scratch. So um, to your point, Tara, it's very difficult to kind of digest and figure out what we're going to do with these guys. I think that the rookie, Roshan Johnson, is probably the odd man out here, um, although he is the best pass protector. Um, so maybe we see him only on passing downs. Um, but then again, they're telegraphing their plays now if he's only in on, on third downs. And, and so I think we're probably going to see a mixture between him and Foreman on third downs because Khalil Herbert's a liability in the passing game, um, at least from pass protection standpoint. So one and two downs are probably going to split between Foreman uh, and Herbert. And then we're probably going to see thirds down split between Foreman and Roshan Johnson. But the dominator is that Foreman's in on, on, on all of those plays. Um, and so probably gets the, the slight lean rankings for me. Mm, that is a really good point. I like the way you broke that down right there. Um, and I agree. We Earlier in the season, the usage for Khalil Herbert was a lot lower. I feel like maybe sometimes when we were thinking about Khalil Herbert coming back, we're fondly remembering that like one game, that one time period right before he got injured. Outside of that, things were very sketchy for the entire time period in that early portion of the season. Pat, how about you? How are you approaching Khalil Herbert this week? Yeah, Billy hit this. Um, pretty well. It's just such a cloudy situation. And the last time we saw Khalil Herbert, um, we weren't seeing Deonta Foreman. He was a healthy scratch and it was just Herbert and Roshan. And now I don't think Deonta Foreman is going to disappear. And I don't think uh, Roshan Johnson is going to be like a surprise inactive or anything. So it is going to be probably all three of Herbert, Deonta Foreman and Roshan. So we're talking about a three-way backfield for a team that is in the bottom half of the league in scoring and uh, in a matchup this week against a Detroit defense that has allowed the fourth fewest fantasy points to running backs this season. So I'm three spots lower than consensus on Herbert, and I'm worried that I'm still too high on him, quite honestly. Yeah, I agree. I, I think erring on the side of caution and have, approaching this with a little skepticism does make a lot of sense. Before we move on to our next tier, who are the pretenders? Who are the contenders? We are halfway through the NFL season, but DraftKings Sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just five bucks on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this November. Maybe you want to look at lines for some of the players that we cover here today, like Keaton Mitchell. We talked about him a ton. You could do that on DraftKings. Get in on the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can bet just $5 on anything to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. 
only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings dot com slash sportsbook for details and state specific responsible gambling resources eligibility and deposit restrictions apply bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms all right guys we're going to move on to our c minus tier here it's a small tier it's got aj dylan tajay spears and rico dowdle the handcuffing tier but one of these guys maybe has a little bit more more upside or do you guys feel like Tajay Spears has any potential low in flex value this week? I'll start off with you, Pat. I just don't think there are enough touches for us to be able to count on him. Maybe you're sort of backed up against the wall. Like, I don't know about you guys, but it seems like I am just getting wrecked by buys this week. Like this has been my worst buy week. And like, you know, when I was going to do waivers, Last week, I was looking at all my rosters and like all the the league hosting sites that put your spots in red when you need to replace lineup spots with a bye week guy. Like it was just a sea of red on my lineup. So um, there are a lot of those teams where I wish I had Tajay Spears to flex. But uh, if your team is like mostly under full power, I'd be still a little bit nervous about playing him just because we like we can't count on double digit touches with Taijay Spears yet. Um, yeah. A lot of big play potential, but I, I'm just like not that trusting of him because of the workload. Makes sense. Billy, anyone here that you can maybe get a little bit out of? Yeah, I, I'm I'm with Pat. I think Taijay Spears probably has the, uh, I think, highest upside per se, but I, I Match up his middle of the pack. Um, if he can get a couple more touches, great. Um, his involvement in the passing game is what's going to elevate it for me. You know, consistently sees that that four to six kind of target range. And um, Jacksonville, like I said, middle of the pack against the run, but also gives up a little bit to running backs in the receiving game. So I'd go Tajay Spears. Um, and to Pat's point, I was looking at a few of my lineups this week too, between injuries and buys. I'm looking at like, I got to pick up some waivers this week just to get a starting lineup. And, um, you know, there's some <laughs> sneaky starts though, but I really like it. Um, so Taja Spears would be a blessing in disguise on those lineups, but same thing. Um, this is the tier that it's like, if you have a starting lineup, probably not starting in these guys, but uh, if not, you're slide these guys in this week. Very true. Not the worst waiver wire week in the world. If you've got bye week woes for sure. So make sure you check out the waiver wire content on fantasy pros, literally everywhere. In the D-plus tier, we've got Royce Freeman and Damian Pierce. A small tier, but we want to pull out one guy here. We're going to talk about Royce Freeman. It feels to me, I don't know about you guys, but it feels to me like it's been five years since I've seen Royce Freeman on a field because that bye week, um, last week was my bad bye week. It felt like it just dragged on. So these Rams getting back into action feels like it is um, them coming back after the longest break ever. But Royce Freeman is interesting because... We've got Daryl Henderson in there. We have seen this backfield operate in terms of more of a committee with both of them having some value here. Um, but we'll talk about Royce Freeman here. And I think you guys are feeling maybe just a little bit more value out of him because we have ECR with him at RB40. 
Pat, you've got him at RB36. Billy, you've got him RB35. You are lockstep again. So this will be good and fun. All right. We'll start off with uh, Pat here. Royce Freeman, a little bit higher than ECR here. Are you seeing this backfield tilting more towards him? Not necessarily, Tara, but put it this way. Royce Freeman is ranked five spots below Khalil Herbert in ECR, and I would much rather play Royce Freeman this week. Um, We've been seeing close to a 50-50 backfield split for the Rams between Freeman and Daryl Henderson while Kyron Williams has been out. And now the Rams offense is getting a little more potent with Matthew Stafford expected back this week. And the Rams are facing a Seattle defense that has given up the fifth most fantasy points to running back. So I've got Henderson RB 28 and Freeman RB 36. Uh, I think Henderson is slightly more appealing because he gets used in the passing game, whereas Freeman is just a a total non-factor in the passing game. He's got one target and no catches this year. So it doesn't really help you there. And, uh, you know, certainly more appealing in standard or half point PPR than in full point PPR. But I do think Freeman's going to get touches. There is a baseline of work there since this is pretty close to a split backfield. Yeah, there's a there's a level of known with him in terms of what to anticipate here. Billy, how about you at RB35? Yeah, Pat summed it up pretty well. Um, when you're watching tape, Royce just seems to be the better back. He looks better, looks more explosive. That's coming out in the analytics side as well. 4.3 yards per attempt on his 33 total attempts so far season to date, where Darrell Henderson has seen 2.8 yards per attempt on his 40 rushing attempts. Um, the reason why Henderson gets the slight lean in the rankings is just based upon the passing game work. I mean, we've seen um, a total of seven targets over the past three games to Darrell Henderson uh, to one to Royce Freeman. So uh, if I knew that Royce was going to get more work, I'd have him even higher inside the rankings. But uh, that's been Darrell Henderson's job. Uh, Royce is a very capable pass catcher. Um, I just would like to see him get a little bit more work in that regard. But I agree with Pat. I'd be starting him over Herbert as well uh, this week against Seattle, uh, especially knowing that it's a two-headed monster versus a three-headed monster. Um, And I do think that we're going to see a little bit more Royce than what we have seen uh, because from a snap standpoint, uh, it's it's been increasing uh, a bit here and there. And the routes have actually been uh, getting higher as well. So hopefully we see some targets. Moving on to the D tier here, we've got Jaleel McLaughlin, Joshua Kelly, Justice Hill. Latavius Murray, Kenneth Walker, and Samaje Pirine. We've talked about a couple of these guys here, particularly Justice Hill in that Baltimore backfield. Then in the D minus tier, we've got Miles Sanders, Alexander Madison, Elijah Mitchell, and Jarek McKinnon. Maybe looking at this D and D minus tier and expanding it here. Is there anyone within this tier that you're either looking to to maybe like if we got bye week woes, we need the low end flex option. Is there anyone that you could maybe pull from here if you need to take a swing? I picked up Latavius Murray in a couple of those leagues where I am uh, racked with buys this week. So um, like we don't know when Leonard Fournette is going to get involved, but we did see Latavius Murray involved against the Broncos on Monday night. And he actually looked pretty good. Granted, the Denver D uh, is not that great against the run, but like, I don't know. I think you could get six, eight, maybe more carries out of Latavius and decent touchdown odds for a pretty good Bills offense. So um, like in a week where buys are hitting hard, he's not the worst option in the world among these uh, lower tiered guys. Man, that would make sense. I've had I've had to turn to Kenneth Walker in a league. I don't recommend it. Um, turning to him, it is the last chance, desperation, absolutely nothing else. Maybe you'll get me a touchdown situation like you did the prior week um, before the bye. 
Um, Billy, anyone here that you can pick out and kind of lean towards? I was actually going to say Kenneth Gainwell, um, just because this is going to be um, a shootout game. We get Kansas City. It's probably going to be one of the highest over-unders of the week. Uh, I could see a scenario. like There's not very many games where Kenneth Gainwell gets you know four or five targets, but um, this could be one of those games as as they do lean into him in the passing game at times, and he seems to be kind of a game script and, and kind of uh, how they're going to attack an opponent. And I could see where Kansas City in this game where they get creative with Kenneth Gainwell. Um, so I would I would pick Kenneth Gamble this group. Lat Murray's also interesting just because uh, Cook keeps putting the ball on the ground. And if we continue to see him put the ball on the ground, then um, we could continue to see more Lat Murray, especially against a tough Jets defense. Um, and I could see them, you know, just firing their OC, um, wanting to make sure from the for first game in that they're not going to be getting turnovers and putting the ball on the ground. And we could see a heavier dose of Lat Murray. So both these backs interest me into this group. That's a good point. That that fumble there did eliminate him from playing time there for for a good little bit in the game. Imagine if he had played, how many yards he would have actually had if he hadn't had to leave the field for his little punishment time. And it wasn't even just that one fumble. Like he got lucky on the second fumble yeah. where it bounced right back into his hands and he got like <laughs> seventy yards on it. Um, you know, if that ball doesn't bounce exactly that way, that's that's probably another lost fumble there because he's running full speed and he's running past that ball. Um, and then, you know, the other one was definitely Josh Allen's fault, but that's two times that you let somebody, you know, punch the ball out. Uh, and and I don't think that they're going to continue to stand for that on an already kind of shaky usage for 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 Cook. Yeah, I completely agree with that. We're going to do one more segment here, guys. Our Who Would You Rather segment is where we do. We pit one versus one running back versus another running back. Which one would you prefer? We always give you a, a good little um, <laughs> a good little crazy mix here of guys. We don't do the easy ones here. So this first one here is Kareem Hunt versus Daryl Henderson. Kareem Hunt against the Ravens, Daryl Henderson versus the Seahawks. Henderson does have the better matchup. Um, theoretically, Ravens defense been strong in general. Um, Billy, I'll start off with you. Who are you leading towards here, Kareem Hunt or Daryl Henderson? I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt uh, simply due to the fact that he has been the kind of de facto goal line back. We talked about it earlier. We're probably going to see a heavier dosage of running backs in this game uh, with no Deshaun Watson. Um, and I do think that uh, Darrell Henderson has been kind of uh, succeeding some touches over to Royce Freeman. Uh, but we already know the defined roles here inside of Cleveland. You know, Trump Ford's going to see the bulk of the carries, but uh, we are getting that 33 to 35% snap share out of Hunt and a pretty heavy dosage down in the red zone. So uh, I like the chance chances of a of a touchdown he's I think he scored in i think four straight weeks don't quote me but uh i i think that he's you know just as good of a bet as anyone to get in the end zone again this week pat how about you kareem hunt or daryl henderson this is close but i have to make it a split decision here and go with uh daryl henderson decent outlooks for both guys i think they both have a pretty good chance to get double digit carries the difference for me is that Hunt is sort of the clear number two behind Jerome Ford, while Henderson is probably the 1A to Royce Freeman's 1B. And Billy mentioned earlier that Daryl Henderson's rushing efficiency has not been great, and and we know that. But yeah, he does get the passing game usage here because um, Royce Freeman doesn't get that at all. And yeah, Hunt, the goal line appeal is there. But I do wonder if that's diminished somewhat now that the implied point total for the Browns is like 17 points this week with the backup quarterback in. So, um, you know, hopefully Hunt still gets a goal line carry for those who have to use him. 
but I'm not sure his odds of scoring a touchdown are as good as they have been the last few weeks. I'll break the tie here, guys. I lean towards Kareem Hunt. Again, we, we talked about it earlier, so there's no big justification around it. Rookie quarterback, you, you see, leaning aggressively on the ground game. So maybe there's just enough volume there to really push Kareem Hunt over the edge. Our second who would you rather, this one is interesting here because we've got Antonio Gibson versus Tajay Spears. Antonio Gibson, the pass catching back, but in the previous game, the, the big pass catching back in there was Brian Robinson, who was popping up every now and then. Sam Howell really spreading the ball around in a kind of unpredictable way. And then we got Tajay Spears, who we covered earlier a little bit there. Um, uh, Pat, I'll start off with you. Uh, Antonio Gibson versus Tajay Spears. Who do you lean towards? Yeah, so I mentioned earlier, Tara, that I'm just a little unsure about what the workload is going to look like for Tajay Spears. I actually think Gibson has a better crack at double-digit touches this week. Um his workload's been increasing lately, especially in the passing game. And you have to figure that with the Commanders as 10-point home favorites, uh, pretty weird to see the Commanders <laughs> as double-digit favorites against yeah. anyone, going against Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants, um, that it's going to be probably a pretty running back friendly game script for the Commanders. And, um, you know, I think that makes Gibson a more attractive play than usual. I, I would agree with that. I lean towards that. You know, we saw last week against the Giants that when those blowouts happen and when that happens, we saw Rico Dowdle get, uh, you know, decent amount of volume. So maybe we see a little bit more Antonio Gibson in this matchup here. Billy, Antonio Gibson or Tajay Spears? Yeah, these guys are, are pretty much the same player uh, in 2023. It just depends on the game script. Uh, the Giants are just so bad this year. I mean, they're they're bad. You know, Tommy DeVito, Danny DeVito, doesn't matter who's throwing the ball in, in New York. They're going to lose. Um, that being said, I wonder if this game is going to be more of a Brian Robinson game, just as um, they get ahead and they just lean on kind of the ground and pound because – Antonio Gibson, you know, I've seen five or more targets in the past three games, but these games have been closer. So if they are ahead all game, um, rushing attempts is not necessarily Antonio Gibson's strong point. His, his season high is is six attempts. And so um, if that's the scenario and we lose passing downs, um, then I probably lean Tajay Spears here. Um, that being said, I think that if I had to flip a coin, I'm probably leaning Gibson just because they might get involved in passing game early. Um, and to Pat's point, he probably is more likely to see the double digit touches than, than Tajay. Um, and so I probably lean that way, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a game where it's kind of all Brian Robinson. Verdict here. It is extremely close, slight lean towards Gibson. Uh, both of these guys, kind of the same players, Billy said. Wide receivers. Now we're going to start here with our top. It's a top 25-ish. It is our A-plus through B-tier players. Uh, Billy, I'm going to start off with you. What really stands out here in this top grouping? I want to say what doesn't stand out, and it's not seeing Cortland Sutton name inside the top 20. Uh, he has had three of the last four weeks inside the top 20. He's facing the Minnesota Vikings this coming week, which have given up the fourth most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. Had that beautiful toe touch touchdown last week. Uh, I think that his name needs a little bit more respect right now and probably needs to be into the top 20 almost on a week to week basis. Oh, I agree with that. That's a really good point there. We're giving, giving too much credit to Jerry Judy that has not thus far shown this entire season. Pat, what stands out to you here? 
Oh, the fact, Tara, that there are no safe harbors in wide receiver two range this week. Like, there is this big drop-off, I think. Like, obviously, you've got the Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase class. Like, you're good to go if you've got those guys. Um, I think you're feeling pretty good about Cooper Cup at wide receiver eight, especially with Matthew Stafford on the way back. Um, And even Mike Evans at wide receiver nine. But, man, I, I guess it's even before you get to wide receiver two range because a wide receiver 10, Devontae Adams, um, great player, but, you know, tethered to a rookie day three draft pick. Um, you know, you you can't feel great about like we saw last week, Devontae Adams making some spectacular catches or whatever. But like, you know, just it, it wasn't a ceiling game because of the limitations I think you get with a novice quarterback. So, um, yeah, like the, the drop-off after wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine to everyone else, it's pretty steep. That's a really good point there. Some of our top wide receivers, I mean, we talk, you know, when we're going through waivers and everything, we talk about these quarterbacks who are popping up now that traditionally would have been in that, you know, QB 20 kind of range. And they're popping up into the top 10 because we are so thin at quarterback and quarterbacks underperforming that should have been top options. So yeah, it's having an effect here on these wide receivers. And we're going to go through this and talk about and dive into a lot of these guys here that are in these shakier situations Before we move on, remember, for in-depth analysis on these players, go to fantasypros.com slash rankings. And for updated rankings, make sure that you are using our My Playbook app. All right. As a reminder, guys, we are going to go and dive into our B tier right here. But before we dive in, fall is officially here, and that means it is my favorite time of year, time for tailgating. And the only thing better than tailgating is tailgating with Miller Lite. Miller Lite is the 96-calorie beer that tastes like beer and is perfectly brewed for everything fall has to offer. Miller Lite is the perfect light beer for all beer lovers. As soon as you take a sip that day, the food, the conversation with friends, it all just gets instantly better. Whether you're at a game or watching the game at home, live those autumn moments with Miller Lite and let the great taste of Miller Lite hit your taste buds so hard you feel it in your heart. With a Miller Lite in your hand, autumn doesn't just taste great, it tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. That is MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Now let's go ahead and dive right into this B tier. This is an interesting tier here because again... As Pat mentioned, and one of the guys here, we just talked about Cortland Sutton. As we get further back, we we just don't have a lot of players that we can feel super confident leaning on. We've got Amari Cooper here, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton, Jordan Addison, and guys that have some mitigating potential issue here. Um, I want to maybe talk about, you know, Amari Cooper here with this big news around the season ending surgery for Deshaun Watson here. And obviously this is going to affect the entire team as a whole. During the running backs portion of our rankings, we talked in depth about Jerome Ford, but we didn't get a chance to talk about the receivers. Amari Cooper. Uh, Pat, I'll start off with you. Uh, Are you still seeing Amari Cooper as a a elite receiver with that high upside? Or are you very, are you skeptical now? Are you worried about him through the remainder of the season here? I'm concerned. I like that he is still going to be clearly the alpha target for the Browns. Um, Obviously, though, with the the quarterback issues, 
Like I dropped him with the Watson news from wide receiver 25 to wide receiver 28. And I'm wondering if that's enough. Um, but like, I don't want to, I don't want to over punish a, a really, really good player who's still going to be the focal point of the passing game uh, to, to the extent that the Browns have a passing game now with uh DTR at quarterback. But um, yeah, like I'm, I just don't want to like fade Amari Cooper. I'm not going to put him at wide receiver 40 just because of the the quarterback situation. Like he's just too good for that to happen. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I wish there was more of a ceiling possibility with him. Uh, most likely we'll, we'll, probably be pretty excited if we get five catches and 60 yards out of Amari Cooper. But like, I, I still think he's like a, a high end wide receiver three. You make a good point there. I wonder if he has already been punished and downgraded for the Cleveland offense as a whole and already that skepticism that people already had around Deshaun Watson. So maybe he's already been further back. There's only so much you can push him back. I like the logic around that. Billy, how about you around Amari Cooper? Yeah, it seems like every time I discount him, I get hurt. So I don't think I want to discount him too much. It just seems to always outproduce when I do discount him. And then I you know, always say, man, I shouldn't have done that. And and so I do look at this matchup and and you know, the quarterback situation is is it is what it is. And we know it's it's not the, the best of situations, but the matchup is good. So it kind of counteracts the uh, maybe the inefficiencies of the quarterback play. Um, and so I, I still have him as, as wide receiver 25. I think it's kind of a safe spot. Um, just because he could outproduce it, he could underproduce it. It's not going to hurt you too much if you go either way. Um, and so I think I'm going to probably settle in this area because he has the talent to, you know, finish inside the top 15 any given week, but um, especially against the the Steelers. Um, and and so I think that um, he probably stays where he is right now for me. And and uh, I don't think he's going to move much. Yeah, it's a good little position for him. He can, you know, be a wide receiver too if you have to push him up. You've got bye week woes. We always talk about those. Or you can push him down into a flex option and, you know, make that decision if you have to. Moving on to the B minus tier, we've got Nico Collins, Rasheed Rice, Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin, and Zay Flowers. I like this tier a lot, maybe a little bit more than the other tier in terms of guys that I think have interesting upside with the exception of one player. Unfortunately, there's one guy that just kind of stands out here and he shouldn't stand out here, but he has to. He sticks out like a sore thumb. It is Calvin Ridley. He's right here, smack dab in the middle of this B minus tier. But we did a Spotify poll and Calvin Ridley has been wide receiver 60 in fantasy points per game since week two. That is frightening. That is scary. It's inconceivable. I had to look at it. I'm just like double checking. Like, how was that? How was that physically possible? Is he droppable in 12 team leagues was the question. And the results were, they were pretty much what I expected there. Yes, 58.4%, no, 41.6%. Some people are still willing to hold on because at the end of the day, he's still Calvin Ridley and this offense could um, increase pass volume a little bit. So you kind of wonder if he's just someone that you just got to bite the bullet and hold on to. But I'll ask you guys right here. Billy, is he droppable in 12-team leagues? No, you're not dropping him. It's it's not – I mean, especially <laughs> what happens if like Christian Kirk tours ACL next week? He's going to be the de facto number one. And it, I don't like to you know bank anything on injuries, but he's still on the field. He's running 90-plus percent of, of, of routes. 
he's still going to be the number two option, uh, in, at least in the receiving core behind uh, Kirk. It's not someone that you're going to drop because what's going to happen is you do drop him and then someone's going to get injured and he's going to see, you know, 30% target share and he may not be as efficient and productive with it. But this is one of those things where like the offense puts up points. Uh, you know, the shootout schedule is not bad. And then you, you know, anything could change in any given week inside football. So no, anyone who's running this much routes on the field, this much, you just keep on your lineups and you just bite the bullet. You may not be starting him, but you hold on to him. You're holding on and you're unhappy about it, but you're, you're keeping it because you just can't let a guy like that on waivers. Pat, how about you? Good assessment by Billy. I I don't think you caught him, but I'm also looking for reasons not to have to start him, I guess. Uh, he He's just been so, I don't know, consistently disappointing uh, with just a couple of like really nice games. And then otherwise, you're just like left with a really disappointing output. And um, it's funny, though. I mean, I know there are a lot of people and I think a lot of rankers who are sort of clinging to their priors on Calvin Ridley. I mean, we got all those glowing reports about him in training camp where, uh, you know, the beat writers were making it seem like he was Jerry Rice and Marvin Harrison Sr. rolled into one and uh, like, you know, the, the best player they'd ever seen in training camp. And then like comes out and there's just been no chemistry with Trevor Lawrence whatsoever this year. Like Trevor's sort of latching onto Christian Kirk and Evan Engram. It's just like he picked up where he left off last season. So, um, yeah, like I, I think you're keeping him around as a, a depth piece, but just, you know, hoping you don't have to lean heavily on him and count on him as one of your starters every week. <laughs> I, I got shook there for a second. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we've reached the point now where we got to specify Marvin Harrison Sr. because it's coming. It's right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to mentally adjust myself on that one. Oh, exciting. Let's move on to um, another tier here. Maybe not as exciting as the coming of Marvin Harrison Jr., but we've got the C-plus tier here with Tyler Boyd, Jacoby Myers, Noah Brown, Jerry Judy, Gabe Davis, and Jahan Dotson. These are guys that pop sometimes, don't pop sometimes, but a guy who has been popping over the past couple of weeks, man, it is Noah Brown here that I want to pull out and talk about here real quick. Noah Brown on an absolute tear. Now we can't deny, like this is an interesting situation that I want you guys to debate out because we can't deny that this production that has popped up over the past two weeks has technically been tied to injuries happening. We had last week, we had Nico Collins out the prior week before that Robert Woods was out. So Noah Brown was getting more opportunities, but you got to wonder if, if Nico Collins returns this week, what can we really expect out of Noah Brown here? ECR has him at our uh, wide receiver 37. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 46. And Billy, you've got him at wide receiver 28. The production has been strong. It's tough to imagine that they don't continue to give him some level of opportunities in this offense. Pat, I'll start out with you with the skepticism around Noah Brown. Is this related to not knowing for sure what's going to happen with injury situations over there in Houston, or are you just feeling like this was more of an anomaly with him? Yeah, totally tied to the avail availability of Nico Collins here, Tara. And I'm, I'm guessing, Billy, that you're probably uh, ranking Noah Brown the way you are with the assumption that Nico is not coming back Co for correct. now. Correct, yep. All right. So, yeah. And I'm I'm sort of ranking him with the assumption that Nico is coming back um, like Dr. Deepak Chona, who contributes injury content to fantasy pros and does a great job with it, says the data puts Nico Collins at about a 55 percent likelihood of playing. So, yeah, it's really up in the air this week. Um, so 
if Nico is out, I'm I'm probably going to be closer to ECR. Yeah, uh, eh, probably somewhere between Billy and ECR because I think with ECR capturing the opinions of a lot of rankers, um, you know, they're probably in that group. People playing it both ways, just like Billy and I are. So, um, wide receiver thirty-seven in ECR, also sort of a placeholder ranking. I don't know if I'll be able to get him quite into the 20s where Billy has him, but I would feel pretty good about this dude who has had more than 300 receiving yards the last two weeks if I know he's going to be one of the top three receivers for the Texans, uh, you know, the way C.J. Stroud has been playing, the way they've been more aggressive. Like, they just totally took it to the Bengals last week and let C.J. air it out from the get-go, and it worked to perfection last week. So um, the only thing is if Nico comes back, there's a possibility that Noah Brown becomes a fourth wheel behind Nico Collins, Tank Dell, and Robert Woods, in which case he might only be on the field for like a quarter of Houston's offensive snaps. So that is the downside if Nico comes back. Like, I don't think he's safe at all, and I might even move him out of the top 50 if we know Nico's going to play. But if Nico's out, yeah, get Noah Brown in your starting lineup. Yeah, it's tough to kind of read, you know, if he if Nico comes back and we see Noah Brown, you know, tip back into this wide receiver four, I almost kind of wonder if he ends up being technically the wide receiver three. So I'm kind of still looking at this as maybe an opportunity for him to still be a have a decent target share in this offense with CJ Stroud because he was injured earlier in the season. So at no point did we ever really get to see what this offense looked like with Noah Brown in it. So I have to wonder if they've had intentions to utilize him. He's looked explosive and anyone tied to CJ Stroud at this point, we've gotten to the point where we're looking three deep with CJ Stroud, even inclusive of the tight ends and saying, we want these pass catchers from CJ Stroud. We want them because the volume is there crazy, but it's, that's what's happening right now. Another guy who um, we're going to go on to, actually, we'll go on to the next tier here because um, I was going to jump us over to our next guy, but they're in the next tier, the C tier. We're going to park there for a second because we have several people that we want to cover in this next tier. We've got George Pickens, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson right next to each other, Brandon Cooks, Jaden Reed. Wow, this is the Green Bay tier here. The Green Bay wide receiver tier, the C tier. That's a bad sign, is it, Pat? We've got the all the Green Bay Packers in the C tier. That is our receiver grading here overall. Yikes. Quentin Johnston here as well, and Odell Beckham Jr., we're going to talk about one of these Green Bay receivers, but we'll start off with George Pickens here. George Pickens, who since the return of Deontay Johnson, just hasn't been as reliable as we've wanted to see out of him. But you guys are on a little bit more of a positive side with him. ECR has him at wide receiver 40. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver 36. Billy, you've got him at wide receiver 37. So you guys are kind of lockstep on this one. Um, Billy, start off and um, start off for us and talk about what we can expect out of George Pickens this week. It's tough. It's tough to rank him right now because he's explosive. He's physical. He could take one to the house at any given moment, um, but he just hasn't been seeing the target since the return of Deontay Johnson. Uh, since week seven was the last time he saw, you know, 35% target share is what he saw in week seven. And then week eight, he saw 13%, week nine, 18%, week 10, 18%. Um, and so now we potentially have Pat Fryermuth returning soon. Um, there's a lot of uh, shakeups inside of this offense, you know, Jalen Warren becoming more involved, uh, who's, who's a, a good pass catcher as well. Um, that being said, um, I just, I just don't feel comfortable placing George Pickens 
that low um, just because he has the ability to hit a home run at any given time. Um, and I know that we haven't seen the targets out of him. You know, he's seen five or fewer targets in three straight games. Um, but um, this is probably, you know, anytime we see these interconference games as well, they're tough matchups. Um, they're going to kind of, at least the narrative that I'm playing out in my head is that they're going to rely on the physicality here. Um, these conference games become physical. They're, they're, they're facing each other. They're trying to get out this win. Um, and I think that they're going to lean into Pickens probably in this matchup a bit because of his physicality. So um, I, I don't love the ranking, um, but slightly higher than ECR. That's a good point. He's he's a player that we can't write off. The talent is there, just the utilization hasn't been there, and it could it could flip. You're you're exactly right with the matchups that are upcoming. We could see this flip in increased usage of George Pickens. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver thirty six. Are you feeling the same way as Billy is on this one? I am, and boy, not only for rankers, but. Uh, obviously more so for the George Pickens investors, you are damned if you do and damned if you don't. Because if you sit him, you might be missing out on a you know four-catch, 120-yard, two-touchdown game and kicking yourself for leaving George Pickens out of your starting lineup. And if you start him, Pickens might have one catch for eight yards, and you're thinking, like, why, why did I start him with Deontay Johnson? He doesn't get targets when Deontay plays. And, uh, yeah, so he's played five games with Deontay so far this season. He's averaged 5.8 targets, Pickens has, four catches and 41.8 yards per game, playing with Deontay. His weekly fantasy finishes in those five games in half-point PPR scoring. Wide receiver 51, wide receiver 19, wide receiver 45, wide receiver 103, and wide receiver 45 again. Uh, Admittedly, that is not great. Only one top 20 finish, only one top 40 finish. But what we're leaning on is that big playability, and we know that uh, Pickens has extraordinary big playability. So, man, I wish he was getting more targets uh, in games where he's sharing a field with Deontay Johnson, but I still think he's a worthwhile wide receiver three or flex play just because of that starry upside, uh, even if the floor is, you know, worryingly low with Deontay Johnson around. Behind him in this tier is... Brandon Cooks, and it's an interesting situation because unfortunately he you know doesn't have the same issue as um, George Pickens, where you know Pickens is he the wide receiver one or wide receiver two in that offense? It's really a one A one B situation with Brandon Cooks. He is definitely not the one B to no one is the one B to C D Lamb. You just exist behind him. Brandon Cooks is wide receiver forty three in ECR. Pat, you've got him at wide receiver forty five. Billy, you've got him at wide receiver fifty. Spoiler alert: I lean towards you guys on this one. Um, Brandon Cooks has he's come on in terms of touchdowns and opportunities over the past several weeks. But at the end of the day, the target volume is just still so low. Um, Billy, I'll start off with you. You've got him at wide receiver 50. Are you, you your, your approach with Brandon Cooks is a little bit, you're having skepticism here around him. Yeah. Last week at minus 22 really hurt, but um uh, this week, I'm again lower than ECR. He saw 52% of his yard production last week on the entire season. 
He saw 25% of his entire targets for the season last week. So a bit of anomaly, three weeks combined. Uh, he saw the previous three weeks combined, I should say, week six, eight, and nine, because the bye week was in between there. He saw combined 10 targets. And then we saw 36 yards total receiving in week six, 49 in week eight, seven in week nine. That was against Philadelphia, who gives it the most to the wide receiver position. The Giants, I said earlier, were bad. They are extremely bad. They also give up some of the most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. But this week, he gets Carolina, and they're quite contrary so they actually give up the fifth fewest fantasy points to the wide receiver position so i think people are uh, overreacting to the mo- the monster game that we saw last week i don't have faith in brandon cooks right now in this offense even though he came off that extremely hot week i think it was just part of the you know the giants being bad and then the dallas just sticking to him and so i think that we're kind of going to crash back down to earth i don't think we're necessarily going to see two or three targets again but somewhere in the four or five range is probably realistic um and I'm not going to bank on the touchdown again. So I am extremely low on him again. I'm not going to be as low as I was last week, but I'm still pretty low on him moving forward. It feels like it was a anomaly against the Giants. And I was shocked. I don't know about you guys, but I was kind of shocked that the Cowboys just kept laying into them through the air. I thought at some point they'd just, you know, diet down, lean on the ground game, stop throwing the ball um, for the sake of DFS, man. I was sitting there just, please, please stop. Hold on. <laughs> just slow down. But they just laid into the Giants and kept airing it out. And Brandon Cooks was a big beneficiary. Pat, you've got him at RB 45, a little bit behind, but not too much here. Are you trusting Brandon Cooks this week? Yeah, I do think ECR and probably my ranking as well might be a little bit knee-jerky after the big game for Cooks last week. Ten targets, nine catches, 173 yards and a touchdown. Um, But it was the first time since week three that Cooks had seen more than four targets in a game. Um, And... Yes, the Dallas offense has gone into full-scale aerial assault mode recently with Dak in his last three games averaging 36.7 pass attempts, 360.7 passing yards, and that's with Dallas winning two of those games by more than three touchdowns. So, like, they have, uh, you know, had those been close games, maybe Dak would be averaging over 40 attempts over the last three weeks. Even so, as Billy pointed out, Cook's only really connected in one of those three games. So that's why he's still in the 40s for me. We we can't be 100% sure about the level of involvement for Cook's, but I'd still feel pretty okay this week about starting a proven veteran receiver uh, who's playing with a red-hot quarterback. Moving on to our next player in this tier. I told you we were going to be stuck in the C tier because there was a lot to talk about this tier. Again, I kind of tease this there. Our Packers tier right here, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, and Jaden Reed, literally almost back to back to back on this one. Brandon Cook just, just barely just separated here. Um, Christian Watson is the one that we want to pull out here and talk about highly highly disappointing in terms of his production, fantasy production on the season. ECR has him at wide receiver 46. Pat and Billy, you guys together on this one yet again. Um, we're seeing the the consensus here. Um, those are the times where we need to look at this and say, okay, you guys are probably 100% correct on this. You both got him at wide receiver 40, feeling a little bit more positively around him. Um, not too much. So we're not expecting a big uptick in volume, but as we move forward, are you seeing maybe a little bit more opportunity for Christian Watson? Pat, I'll start it off with you. What's the, what's the buy-in here with Christian Watson? 
Boy, it's pretty funny that uh, Billy and I are in lockstep on so many of these, because considering the guys we're talking about have these crazy ranges of outcomes, George Pickens, Brandon Cooks, Christian Watson, all these dudes are like hugely feast or famine. Um, And that's it. So Christian Watson is a guy who we saw last year score eight touchdowns over a four-game stretch. Um, He has had only one touchdown this season, and that was way back in September. And Watson has topped 37 receiving yards in a game only once this year so far. Um, Yes, he's missed some games with injury, and still the production's just been undeniably disappointing. And still, though, we are talking about a 6'4", starting wide receiver with sub 4'4 speed who has demonstrated that he is capable of being an impact player um, and who gets a matchup against a Chargers defense that has given up the sixth most fantasy points and fifth most receiving yards to wide receivers this season. So, yes, massive uh, range of outcomes with Christian Watson, no question. But the top end of that range of outcomes is still pretty darn high, even if he has not given us such a top end outcome all season yet. Mm, the matchup mentioned there. I mean, it feels like we haven't gotten just a layup matchup here and the Chargers are definitely one of those layup matchups. So it'll be interesting to see what Jordan Love and Christian Watson and crew can do in a matchup against a defense that got lit up for 41 points by just obliterated by the entire Detroit offense last week. Billy, you right there with them as well. Is this matchup that maybe makes you feel a little bit more in on Christian Watson? You know, Pat, I'm not... I'm not enjoying this matchup based conversation that I keep talking myself into starting him every single week because I look back and said, it's Minnesota. They give up, you know, the fourth most fantasy points to wide receiver. Point. It's Pittsburgh Steelers. They give up the eighth most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. And now this week I'm looking back and saying, oh, it's the Chargers. They give up so many fantasy points to the wide receiver position and they give up the second most yards per reception to the wide receiver position. So yet again, I, I feel like the the clown meme where I continue to put on the clown makeup and continue to put Christian Watson <laughs> inside of my lineup because I keep talking myself into doing it despite every signal that says not to. Um, the only thing that he has going for him is his athleticism and what we saw last year. Uh, he is seeing more targets, but those targets aren't catchable. I mean, we're going back to week eight, 38% catchable targets, 50% in week nine, 43% catchable targets in week 10. So these targets that he's getting, quote unquote, aren't necessarily good targets. I'm going to probably put him in my lineup again this week just because he has the ability to be wide receiver 20. I mean, he could catch. It's another one of those uh, picking situations where he could catch two passes and they're both touchdowns and it's for a hundred yards. And so um, I don't think we're going to see it though, quite frankly, it's another good matchup, (laughs) but um, (laughs) it's a very difficult person to rank. And again, damned if you do damned, if you don't inside your lineup, Um, it's one of the players that I debate the most with my draft partner in our FFPC lineups. And I'm probably going to, um, take the knee again on this one, put him in the lineup. So um, wish me luck, fellas. Let's go. I wish you the best of luck with that one. I will not be dipping in, um, which probably, yeah, which probably means he'll be going off on my bench. So there you go. That's the, thanks for taking, the, <laughs> the thanks logical. for taking one for the team there, Tara. I try my best there. <laughs> Moving on to the C minus tier. We've got a couple more to start off with here. Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore. We talked about the quarterback situation there. For Cleveland, we've got Curtis Samuel over there in Washington. Got Michael Wilson, Khalil Shakir, Jonathan Mingo, and Trenton Irwin making his way here in the C-tier. Moving up the rankings with, obviously, skepticism around 
any potential return for T. Higgins. As long as T. Higgins is out, apparently Trenton Irwin is a fantasy viable option. So he has snuck his way in there. When we're looking at this C tier, this C minus tier here, guys, um, is there anyone that really sticks out here to you? I'll start off with you, Billy. Yes, I'm going to I'm gonna go back to Rondell Moore here. Uh, clearly one of the favorite targets for Kyler Murray. Now that he's back into the, the, the lineup, I think this is bodes well for Rondell Moore's outlook for the rest of the season. Last week saw 30% target share, which was a season high. He was, uh, on the field for 75% of the routes. Um, so he was getting targeted when on the field. Uh, and so I, I, I like the fact that this is someone that I think is going to, they're going to lean into in this, this short, um, you know, eight odd, low, low air yards, but someone that's going to be making plays after the catch. So uh, Rondell Moore for me in this group is someone that I'm targeting. I, I like that you bring him up there. Cause that was something that I noticed as well. When looking at his snap count, Michael Wilson has the stronger snap count, but the snap, the actual fantasy points per snap favors Rondell Moore. When he's on the field, they are highly targeting him and trying to utilize him. So there's a guy right there that I, I agree with you. If you're looking to pull someone in these lower tiers, take a chance there with Kyler Murray in his return. Welcome back, Kyler Murray. Very welcome in several dynasty leagues for me. Pat, for me, uh, for you, what what stands out here for you in this tier? Well, you guys teed up the Cardinals, so why don't we uh, stay on the Cardinals for a second? And, um, it, well, for one thing, it's kind of cool that, um, you know, boy, like we, we can't badmouth Josh Dobbs with what he's done, but we do feel a lot more comfortable, I think, going three deep at wide receiver for the Cardinals with Kyler Murray than we did with Josh Dobbs at quarterback for them. Um, at the same time, though, boy, and I, this is hard for me to say because I was such a Rondale Moore fan when he was at Purdue, but, um, you know, Billy kind of touched on it. Yes, he gets targets and he gets usage, um, even if, you know, he's not on the field all the time because he's playing in three three receiver sets, not so many two receiver sets. He does get targeted, but those are just such low value targets. And I guess Rondale just, he doesn't break enough of those low targets into big gainers, um, you know, even though he is really exciting and does have that big play potential. But I'd like I'd feel better, I think, starting Michael Wilson than I would Rondell Moore now and um you know like it's going to be interesting to see what wilson can do like he's even with josh dobbs he was sort of on the like flirting with fantasy viability and now i think he's going to get there with russell wilson like i i think i've got him in i don't know wide receiver four range this week i i think he's perfectly flexible in a four team bye week and uh you know i i would actually kill to have michael wilson on a couple of teams where i am just getting crushed by bye weeks at the wide receiver position. So yeah, like both guys perfectly viable. And, and um, boy, speaking of this, you guys like think of in August, what we would have thought about the prospect of a Texans Cardinals matchup. And now here we are in November Cardinals Texans has one of the highest Vegas point totals on the board in week 11. And like, if this was a standalone game, if this was Sunday night, like I'd be perfectly content to watch this game. Like I'd be pretty excited about it. I agree. Um, it, it's crazy, crazy that that has happened. But yeah, we've got um, Houston, very exciting and promising. And Kyler Murray came back and gave us everything that we needed to see. Really, um, missed. I did. You guys see just the like by a fingertip, just barely missed Marquise Brown 
on that deep touchdown. Like that, that fantasy points would have looked a lot differently if he had just barely, barely, barely been able to get him. So yeah, the return of Kyler Murray now versus CJ Stroud. Very exciting. Looking forward to it. Moving on to the D plus tier here. It's a smaller tier. We've got Tutu Atwell, Darnell Mooney, and Josh Reynolds. I mentioned the running backs. Like these, it feels like these Rams have just not been options for weeks, but here they are. They're here. They've got Tutu Atwell right here, Darnell Mooney, Josh Reynolds. Is there any one of these guys that you can kind of lean towards to? I'm kind of mildly uncomfortable with this one right here. Billy, I'll start off with you. No, I would choose the next tier, honestly. Like I like a lot more. Yeah. I like the players in the next tier a lot more. Pat, how about you? <laughs> yeah, no no one's safe here. Um, like Mooney is kind of big player bust. I, yeah, I don't really want to start any of these guys. Yeah, Josh Reynolds now um, the one fantasy asset that is not getting anything in that uh, Detroit Lions fantasy bonanza of last week. Um, the, D, the D tier, though, here, the last tier that we've got, Robert Woods, Michael Gallup, Rashad Bateman, Wondell Robinson, Kyle Phillips, Darius Slayton. As Billy mentioned, these aren't names that massively pop. They are names that do get targets and have opportunities here. Billy, who are you looking at in this tier? Um, I'm probably going to go with Robert Woods in this tier just because of how hot uh, we have seen CJ Stroud and Robert Woods coming back from injury, probably going to see a bit more snaps. Again, I'm leaning into the Nico doesn't play uh, narrative. And even if he does play, I think that is probably going to be more of a decoy. Calf injuries aren't the easiest to recover from. So um, I think Robert Woods could see an uptick in 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 inside usage this week and into past point it is the, actually the highest over under of the week it's it's 47 and a half right now on on, on the sports books that's amazing <laughs> pat how about you in this tier yeah i would also uh pick robert woods if i was going to pick just one and um you know gallup might be interesting just because we know the target count is not going to be safe kind of the same situation uh you, that you get with brandon cooks but who knows the way the the Cowboys passing game has been humming. Maybe it's like Gallup's turn for one of those spike games, the kind we saw from Cooks last week. Makes sense. Before we move on to our next segment here, just a reminder for everyone. If you want a chance to win a signed TJ Hawkinson Minnesota Vikings jersey, courtesy of Pristine Auction, the premier autograph sports memorabilia auction house you need to subscribe to the fantasy pros youtube channel right now comment below on any video and that's it we'll be announcing the winner right here on the fantasy pros channel so make sure that you turn on notifications so you can know when new videos are up and to claim your prize and if you didn't win you can still sign up at pristineauction.com using the link in our description if you use registration code fantasy pros you'll get ten dollars off your first order now we're going to do another who would you rather segment here. We use the wide receivers and this one is a good one right here. We've got Tyler Boyd with some increased value with potentially T Higgins out and then Zay Flowers as well against that Bengals defense that did get lit up last week. Uh, Pat, I'll start off with you here. Tyler Boyd or Zay Flowers? This one is an interesting one. I'm going with Zay Flowers here, Tara. The production hasn't been very exciting lately, uh, granted, although he did have a solid game against the Browns last week, five catches for 73 yards. I'm just not that excited about Tyler Boyd this week, even with T. Higgins out. The Ravens have been using safety Kyle Hamilton to cover slot receivers lately, and like Hamilton has just been awesome. Like He is one of the best defensive backs in the NFL now. Um, Boyd is going to run most of his routes against Hamilton 
this week. And uh, like, I just don't want any of that smoke with Kyle Hamilton right now. All I heard was Trenton Irwin season continues. Uh, moving forward, <laughs> Billy, Tyler Boyd or Zay Flowers for you. I'm going to go with Zay Flowers as well. It was interesting to see how they used them last week because uh, when we look at the ADOT, um, it was his highest ADOT since uh, actually since week five. Um, and we talked about how inefficient he's been the last few weeks, in particular week six, seven, and eight. And those were his lowest ADOTs. So they actually kind of got more creative in how they were getting him the ball in comparison to the previous few weeks. So if that continues, I like it because Cincinnati actually gives up the most yards per receptions to in the NFL to, to all receivers. So Zay Flowers, to me, I think is an interesting play and someone I'm just a little bit more uh, – I'd say confident in the target share because, you know, 30% target share is a lot more likely for him to hit than it is for uh, Tyler Boyd. Mm, That's a good little factoid right there. Most yards per reception to receivers. Good, good thing for a guy who has been more of a volume play in terms of receptions, like say flowers, typically the next, who would you rather hear? We've got Quentin Johnson's battle of the rookies here. We've got Quentin Johnson versus the Packers. Quentin Johnson with his, with his breakout performance. I say that questioning. Um, it was a breakout ish performance there. Get him his credit. His first touchdown of the year or Michael Wilson versus the Texans. We talked about Michael Wilson earlier and the potential there for that Arizona game, um, against the, against the Houston Texans. Um, Billy, I'll start off with you. Quentin Johnston versus Michael Wilson. What is your preference there? I'm going to go Pat's way here and go Michael Wilson uh, back to the discussion. He mentioned everything, the reasoning why. Um, also, just want to note that most people probably have Quentin Johnson here, but I think Guyton's going to be more involved, uh, especially off last week. And I do think that uh, Michael Wilson's a little bit safer. Quentin Johnson just hasn't been uh, what they were expecting what they in the, in the receiver that they drafted this year. And so uh, I think he's got – this is more of a learning year. And although the stars have aligned for him to excel – He's kind of, you know, hasn't performed yet. And I think that he's going to be giving up some of those targets and those routes elsewhere. I 100% agree with you on that one. I do a, a deeper waiver wire ad article on the Fantasy Pros website. And wouldn't you know it, both Michael Wilson and Jalen Guyton, who you exactly mentioned, are one of those guys, are two of those guys who are in that article. So I think I agree with you. I think Jalen Guyton actually kind of has the higher potential and upside over Quentin Johnston. Um, Pat, how about you? Quentin Johnston or Michael Wilson? Well, so I'm going against myself here and you guys, because I talked up Michael Wilson earlier, but I'm actually, I have Quentin Johnston ranked slightly higher this week. And, and Tara, you, uh, when talking about Quentin Johnston's breakout game last year, you sort of put that in air quotes, um, but you wouldn't have needed to put that in air quotes if uh, there had just been a, like you had also talked about the misconnection we saw with Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown last week. There was a play in the Chargers-Lions game where Quentin Johnston lined up out wide, about to make a a break into the middle of the field and gets hooked around the waist. Obvious pass interference call. They flag it. But Justin Herbert proceeds to go ahead and like hit uh, Quentin Johnston with a perfect pass right in the hands that probably would have been an 85-yard catch-and-run touchdown if Quentin Johnston had caught it. But uh, unfortunately, Quentin Johnston has been pretty gaff prone all year and he let it sail right through his hands so um yeah we wouldn't need those air quotes for the breakout game had he had two <laughs> touchdowns with one of them being an 85 yarder so wilson definitely a more interesting option with kyler murray around these days but man like quentin johnston just like this dude is an athletic marvel and if he can like if the light bulb comes on for this dude 
playing with Justin Herbert, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, like the um, upside is so starry. And, and Tara, we know like the Packers have got some defensive issues, especially with like Quay Walker and Jair Alexander sort of in and out of the lineup lately. Like if, if Jair doesn't play and no more Razul Douglas, who they dealt at the trading deadline, like who is going to cover these guys? Um, like it could be a very big day for Justin Herbert this week. And I wonder if QJ maybe gets in on it. QJ is Josh Dotson 2.0. Oh man, Josh Dotson. Don't raise that specter on us, Philly. <sighs> Don't traumatize us here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, you do make a good point about that Packers secondary. Don't be fooled by the mirage of last week. It is it is beat up and it can get lit up. Uh, we're going to do one more segment here. We're going to do a flex appeal segment. This is a fun segment where we're putting together wide receivers and running backs and tight ends for the flex zone. I'm going to give you guys three players that fall into the flex zone. And you're going to tell me how you would order these players. Um, Pat, I'm going to start off with you. And this first one is very, very interesting here. These are all very playable options. Um, Rasheed Rice versus Chris Godwin versus Dalton Schultz. I love it when we put in uh, the tight end that also has the high upside. And we've talked about his connection to CJ Stroud. So what what is the order? How are you ordering these three players? Yeah, all really solid options here. And it's um, funny to compare Rasheed Rice and Godwin, because I think Rasheed Rice is kind of a Godwin clone in a way, like this guy who takes a lot of short catches and can do a lot after the catch with him. Um, And he's actually done more after the catch than Chris Godwin has this year. Basically, like we haven't gotten really many ceiling games from Godwin this year, but he's given us a pretty sturdy floor at least. Seven of his nine games have produced at least 50 receiving yards. So um, I guess I'm going to go with the stable floor here. I, I think maybe Baker Mayfield looks to get the ball out quickly against that 49ers pass rush this week. And maybe that means um, I'm not going to say more of a Godwin game than a Mike Evans game, but maybe like an elevated profile, elevated target profile for Chris Godwin this week. Mm, that's a good point there. So you've got Godwin, then Rasheed Rice, and then Dalton Schultz. Yes, yes. Godwin Rice Schultz. Billy, how about you? I have it ranked the same. I don't feel comfortable about it, but Pat, Pat, exactly what I was leaning on. San Francisco is going to be rushing the quarterback. Their secondary is very beatable. Uh, they mask the secondary's problems with the upfront and the rush and how powerful it is. Um, but San Francisco, um, they give up the 10th most fantasy points to the receiver position, but they only give up 11.1 yards per reception. So I do have this pinned as a Godwin slight lean as well. Um, Philadelphia, on the contrary, they give up the most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. Um, but I do think that Godwin gets the slight lean here with the floor base as well. And Schultz kind of a distance third in this group. I am in consensus with you guys. Exact same order. The second one here. I wonder if this one is where we're going to get a little bit different. It's Zach Charbonnet versus Curtis Samuel versus Jaden Reed. And there's a lot of factors that go into all three of these guys. Billy, I'll start off with you. How are you ordering these players? Oh, man. I feel like I'm going to need like a week to get back to you on this one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I probably lean Jaden Reed, Charbonnet, Curtis Samuel. 
Um, it's very close, but uh, we saw a healthy Kenneth Walker back last week and we saw what it did to Charbonnet's snap counts, kind of what we talked about in the previous week of when he's healthy and what it's going to look like. Um, so I think that Charbonnet, as long as, as Kenneth Walker is healthy, is takes that, that, that backseat role again. Um, and I do think that, uh, Curtis Samuel, um, Coming off injury, I like the matchup, but again, kind of a never know if he's going to be the third option. Is he the fourth option? Is he the second option? Uh, Jaden Reed continues to score and continues to make big plays. So I'm going to lean that way. Pat, how about you? Boy, we are in the coin flip zone with Zach Charbonnet and Jaden <laughs> Reed. I think I'm going to go with Jaden Reed, then Charbonnet, then Curtis Samuel. Um, my concern with Reed is that he he's only been playing about 50% of the snaps. Like this is kind of a four man rotation with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks who they're working in quite a bit. So um, good matchup for Reed and he is making the most of his opportunities. He's the only problem is that he's only going to be on the field about half the time. Um, Charbonnet. Yeah. He's been getting a lot of snaps lately, just not necessarily a lot of touches. I mean, the guy looks really good. Like if this guy ever gets an opportunity where Kenneth Walker gets hurt, like he could be a guy we're ranking in RB one range down the stretch, but um, just not that many touches right now. And Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Like it's um, Sam Howell has just been throwing to whoever gets open and he's got all these weapons, like multiple receivers, multiple tight ends, Antonio Gibson getting more catches. The only thing is like, he's been throwing like 40 or more times. Most games is he going to have to throw that much against the Giants when they're 10-point home favorites? Like, maybe they can take the foot off the gas pedal a little bit, and Sam Hull only throws 30 times. And then how many targets is Curtis Samuel getting, like four or five? So, um, yeah, Reed, Charbonnet, Curtis Samuel. I will be the outlier here, and I will say that I will take the potential upside of Curtis Samuel because you guys are 100% right. There's no predicting it. Sam Howell is spreading the ball around. It is going to whoever is getting open. There is no, there's blatantly no preference there. It's amazing that someone can throw for over 300 yards and all your primary receivers can have terrible games, but Hey, he found a way to do it, (laughs) but I will take that chance given the matchup and hopefully they're going to still continue to push a little bit more volume. And so I will take the risk of the potential upside with Curtis Samuel, then Jaden Reed, then Zach Charbonnet. By the way, if you have any questions like these, you've got these tough decisions of who you're leaning towards, you should utilize the who should I start tool in my playbook. Um, It's great for tough decision. It gives you a full breakdown of everything that you need to know. All right, that wraps things up for our rankings this week. If you have any questions about lineups or trades, we are live each and every Thursday on YouTube at 3 p.m. EST, taking your questions. And if you want to see more advice from Pat, go check out his rankings. Just go to fantasypros.com slash fits and make sure that you go to Player Profiler and check out Billy's work over there. You can find Billy at FF Musio. You can find Pat at Fitz underscore FF. And you can find me at It's Tear Time. For Pat Fitzmorris, for Billy Musio, I'm Tara Roberts. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.